From the American College of Gastroenterology, this is Evidence-Based GI, and I'm Jacqueline Gallen, founder of GastroGirl, a patient-centric company focused on improving digestive health. Today, we'll be discussing the safety of proton pump inhibitors with Philip Schoenfeld, editor-in-chief, about his summary in the October 2023 issue of EBGI. His summary, entitled, PPIs are not associated with dementia, refuting sensational claims in a postmodern epidemiologic world. So, Dr. Schoenfeld, why is this such an important topic for our listeners? Well, Jenki, thanks for having me on the podcast. And as we've discussed, with the development of large insurance or administrative databases and increased computing power, it's easy for modern epidemiologists to look for associations between different medications that might cause a specific disease as a side effect. Unfortunately, when these epidemiologic studies get published, stating there's an association between a medication and some side effect, the implication is that there's a cause and effect relationship. And then that gets publicized in the media. And that's the case here when in August of this year, in the journal Neurology, a database study reported that using PPIs was associated with an increased risk to develop dementia. And gosh, that does a grave disservice to patients who rely on those reports in the lay media, and they, they become scared that the medications will cause harmful effects. And I know you talked about, you know, in the past, seeing statins might cause dementia or memory loss and how scary that was. Totally. I mean, here we go again. It's always PPIs, and there's some study that shows uh, that there's a negative effect, and patients who have been on these treatments start really worrying, and they want to immediately come off that PPI, but it could have you know grave effects on their overall health, especially for the condition that they're being treated for. You know, they, they may call their physicians and they're all worried. They'd stop taking their meds. You know, especially if they have a condition like erosive esophagitis or peptic ulcer disease, you know, coming off those PPIs can be devastating for them. I totally agree, Jackie. You don't want a patient who needs to be on a PPI because of erosive esophagitis or Barrett's esophagus or because of recurrent peptic ulcer disease to stop their PPI. And this has happened again and again with PPIs, that poorly designed epidemiologic studies have shown possible associations with other diseases, but these mistaken associations occur because different confounders are not taken into account. So let me give you a real basic example of this. Certainly people who are obese and who smoke cigarettes are predisposed to develop heartburn and to get prescribed proton pump inhibitors. And also because of their obesity and their tobacco use, they are at increased risks for stroke and kidney failure. Well, if an epidemiologic study does not adequately address the fact that 
Patients who are obese and smoke cigarettes might have gotten prescribed PPIs because of heartburn in their study design. Then instead, what they report is that being on PPIs increases your risk of stroke or kidney failure. When in fact, being on a PPI is just a marker that you have other illnesses, that you might be obese or a tobacco abuse person, and that the PPI is certainly not causing those other disorders like stroke or kidney failure. In fact, generally speaking, PPIs tend to be a marker of polypharmacy and having multiple comorbidities. You know, when people have multiple comorbidities, they tend to be on a lot of meds and then they get some indigestion or heartburn and they may also get prescribed a PPI. So, Bottom line is, in the September issue of Gastroenterology, Andrew Chan and his colleagues at Massachusetts General Hospital reported out on a prospective study where they collected data from patients that were in a randomized controlled trial called the ASPRI trial. The ASPRI trial was essentially a randomized controlled trial of over 18,000 individuals who were randomized to low-dose aspirin or placebo and then followed for multiple years to see if they developed dementia. And as part of this study, patients underwent very rigorous testing at baseline, which started when they enrolled, and they had to be over 65 to enroll, and then also were being seen at least annually and undergoing very rigorous review of exactly what medications they were on, as well as repeated testing to assess their mental status. And what they found was that having a or I should say what they found was that among the 14,000 individuals who were not on PPIs compared to the 4,000 individuals or 25% who were on PPIs, that there was no difference in the rate of developing dementia or cognitive decline of any kind. So I think that the message to our listeners is that if a properly designed prospective study where there is no misdiagnosis of dementia because patients are being annually tested for signs of dementia and there's no misclassification about what medications they're taking because annually they're going through very rigorous process with the study investigators about what meds they're on, then in that well-designed study, there's no evidence that PPIs cause dementia. But that's a difficult thing to explain to patients, and, and you can offer a patient perspective on this. Yeah, and again, so just to reiterate for our listeners, based on your summary, it sounds like recent studies based on random controlled trials in patients 65 or older found no association between PPIs and dementia or any other type of cognitive decline. I mean, that's really an important statement here. Correct. And I think for our listeners who have to educate patients when this happens, what they need to explain to their patients is that when you have a lot of other medical disorders like diabetes or coronary artery disease and you're prescribed a whole bunch of different medicines that frequently those types of people also end up getting prescribed a proton pump inhibitor to treat indigestion, but that the PPI is not causing 
these bad end effects of dementia or kidney failure. The PPI is just a marker that the patient's on a bunch of different medicines and has a bunch of different diseases. Well, I want to highlight what you said about physicians really need to do a thorough job, a good job of educating patients about why reports like this can be misleading. As a patient myself, when a doctor wants to prescribe something, you know, I'm always hesitant. And I think many of our fellow patients are. We don't know what's going to happen when we take them. We know that they're supposed to help us. But hearing these reports and conflicting reports oftentimes are alarming to patients. And they wonder why. We wonder why our physician prescribed this drug if it's supposedly dangerous. So, you know, I'm glad we're having this conversation today about this study and what not only providers need to be aware of so that they can provide information to their patients, but also to kind of calm the patient down a little bit into really having an educated discussion with their provider about the pros and cons involved in when they're prescribed something based on real evidence, based on real evidence. And I just note that this is unfortunately a very common phenomena. You know, going back to the issue of dementia, before the study was published in the August issue of Neurology, claiming that being on PPIs was associated with an increased risk of developing dementia. You know, other poorly designed epidemiologic studies found that antihypertensives or NSAIDs or aspirin or even sildenafil were associated with either an increased or decreased risk of dementia. But then when well-designed prospective trials or even randomized controlled trials were performed, then no association was found. And that's also for our listeners important to understand with respect to proton pump inhibitors. In the past, they've been associated with B12 deficiency, hip fractures, pneumonia, multiple other possible complications in poorly designed epidemiologic studies. But when well-designed RCTs or well-designed prospective studies are performed, which minimize or eliminate confounding data or misdiagnosis or mischaracterization of medication use. In fact, we find that the only adverse event associated with PPIs is recurrence of C. difficile infection or other enteric infection. That's the only thing that PPIs clearly increase the risk of through a cause and effect relationship. So I think our GI docs can educate their patients that PPIs are very safe, while at the same time recognizing, hey, always, you know, limit the use of PPIs to patients who have a clear indication for it and use it at the lowest effective dose. That's great advice. And, you know, if I could just take up the patient side for a minute, it, it and why this is so crucial, your recommendations are so crucial because it is so important for primary care physicians and gastroenterologists to provide consistent recommendations about these issues. You know, there are patients that have EOE, for example, and oftentimes, as you well know, the first line of treatment is often a, a PPI. Now, if a patient is listening and reading these this studies that say that it's now dangerous or it causes dementia, for instance, they could want to come off that drug. And what happens when a EOE patient comes off their PPI. If it was helping them, right, they could have significant 
implications if they were in remission and it could be harmful to them, right? It could it could exacerbate what happens in the esophagus and causing all sorts of issues uh, for sure. the patient, right? Get more dysphagia or they could develop stricturing in their esophagus. Exactly. And for the GERD patient who has been managed on PPIs, now decides they want to come off that, now they're at risk for more esophageal damage and potentially Barrett's esophagus. And that is very dangerous for the patient. So I can't agree with you more from a patient perspective that we really need accurate interpretation of this data before we freak out and want to be off these magic medications. Well, Dr. Schoenfeld, thanks again for joining me today. And for our listeners, please remember to subscribe to Evidence-Based GI on your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on Twitter at ACG underscore EBGI, where we host tutorials every Wednesday. And look for our blast email from the ACG in mid-October with our new issue.